1: Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.
2: Beyond and hello, everyone. Why are you laughing at me while I'm starting the show? We're going forward with this. Beyond and hello, everyone. This is Podcast Beyond episode 699, the big one, as you've all been waiting for. I'm your host, Jonathan Dornbush of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano.
3: I was laughing because we do the countdown thing at the beginning and I wasn't sure, should I smile? Like, what face should I, like, (laughs) freeze on? It's always tricky.
2: Uh, We're also joined this week by Lucy O'Brien.
4: Yeah, it was funny just because there was, like, this really deadly silence that went on for way too long. Anyway, Hello.
2: That's what I like to bring the energy to the show. Deadly silence. I think the listeners and viewers really love it. Uh, Also, we're joined this week for the first time by Colin Stevens. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Hiya! Thank you for having me. Of course. uh, Colin, you're on our social team here at IGN. Uh, I, of course, first knew you as a uh, news freelancer when I was on the news team. We worked together there, uh, and now you're one of our intrepid social team, keeping our uh, wonderful, as the kids say, dank memes alive uh but um for for those who uh may not know you're this go and write
4: another poem don't
2: <laughs> oh don't worry i have a dramatic reading coming up very soon
4: um oh, thank god
2: for uh, those who may not know you do you want to give a little bit of just like your uh playstation history if you will
5: um yeah so uh, I'm Colin uh, I am a social copy coordinator for IGN so I basically just make like spider man and Kirby memes all day and it's great. it's the greatest job I could possibly imagine uh, And I just wanted to thank you for bringing me on for episode 699 because it's the sexiest of all triple digit numbers so thank you <laughs> thank you for thinking of me um I get it um uh, and yeah PlayStation um huge PlayStation fan I never actually had an original PlayStation so like a lot of my history is me going back and playing playstation games and learning about them uh with fresh eyes but uh ps2 onwards uh just a huge playstation fan can't get enough
2: nice uh well we're glad to have you on we're going to be talking about Ratchet and clank uh rift apart in a little bit which i know you're uh, a fellow Ratchet and clank fan uh before we do a little bit house cleaning 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 uh this is episode 699 we're off to just a wonderfully weird start um Obviously, episode 700 is the next episode. Uh, I don't have official plans to confirm with you right now as we're speaking, uh, but we do want to put something together special, and we're working to do that. Uh, please stay tuned to all of our social feeds. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to plug us at the end as well, but I'm at JM Dornbush. Uh, train's going by my window. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. And actually, Colin, are you at Colin D. Stevens? Am I correct? Um, I'm
5: at IGN. Okay, we'll take that
2: one. Yeah, that one works too.
5: <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Colin D. Stevens is my actual account.
2: Excellent. Uh, well, definitely keep an eye uh, on all of us on Twitter, including Colin. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned for news about that. Uh, the other thing uh, I did want to say uh, before the show starts, though, is, uh, you know, I don't have a poem to celebrate the last 600th episode, but thankfully our good friend at Microsoft uh, gave me a little bit of a, of a, a piece to read for you. And so I wanted to start it off with some excerpts from Microsoft's review of The Last of Us Part 2.
5: What? There I
2: Thank you. The Last of Us Part 2, like its predecessor, is first and foremost a narrative adventure game. Fact. This is unlike Naughty Dog's other key franchise, Uncharted, debatable, where the narrative, while very well told, is there more to service the action-adventure gameplay. I'm going to move through this because it's an extremely long, long piece, but... uh here we go. Uh, the gameplay in The Last of Us Part 2 is an expansion and notable improvement upon the previous game, which gave players little freedom of choice in the moment-to-moment gameplay. Most levels in the first game played out like little combat puzzle boxes, where there was a narrowly predetermined right way to finish the mission, which made the effective strategy feel forced upon you. In this new game, the combat areas are significantly larger, the enemy AI greatly improved, and the number of ways you can clear a space or just avoid it altogether are greatly enhanced. That said, Naughty Dog still can't seem to make decent gun combat in any of their games, and this one is no exception. What? Luckily for them, it fits in with the game's overall theme and pushes the player toward using stealth over head-on. Head-on doesn't have- have a word after it. One big gripe about the moment-to-moment gameplay. You know, it's really, hit on.
4: It's, on. <laughs> it's on. what that means.
2: <laughs> Was really with head the on. game's inventory system. The inputs for weapon switching are all located on the D-pad, and there was no quick switch between current and previous weapons. So unless you've got an additional thumb on your left hand, then you're going to have to take your thumb off the movement controls on the left stick in order to switch weapons, which was noticeably frustrating, excuse me, notably frustrating during the more frenetic combat sequences. Players certainly have every right to their subjective feelings and opinions on the game's narrative, on Naughty Dog's choice to make players play as a diametrically opposed protagonist, or in the game's final contentious outcome. But as someone who cares deeply about the evolution and expansion of what storytelling and interactive entertainment can be, that's in all caps, those things ultimately matter less than how incredibly well Naughty Dog have crafted and delivered the story that they, all caps, wanted to tell. Not every game's designs can support the level of visual detail they produce, and not every team has the money or talent needed to produce it, but this game sets a new bar for what we should hope to be able to achieve going into a new generation of consoles. Uh, There's more to this review, but I felt it was worth pointing out. uh, This comes from some of the documents that have been coming out of the uh, massive... Uh, Epic versus Apple uh, trial that's that's currently happening right now uh, in relation to Fortnite and the App Store and, and iOS in general and, and stores like that. Uh, Microsoft was involved pretty heavily in regard to their storefronts and, and Xbox and Microsoft, and so uh, their sort of internal confidential uh, review, recent release highlights, I guess internal uh, impressions of the game, was passed around and is now publicly available as part of these documents. Um, and I mostly just wanted to share that because it's a very funny thing to see Microsoft describing how they felt about The Last of Us Part Two. I don't know how uh, you all felt, Lucy. Maybe I'll start with you on this just uh, well, to start there, but I it's, a, it's want... an interesting read.
4: It is an interesting read. I don't want to get too inside baseball with like, lol, this was so badly written because kudos to Microsoft for actually like... You know, broadening broadening its horizons, paying attention to what the competition is doing, uh, and and you know, giving a critical analysis for for the company to to read. I mean, full respect. I think that's that's awesome. Um, the review itself is written like um, a robot wrote it for sure. Uh, there are some phrases in here that are, are very meaningless, uh, but you know, a lot of buzzwords that float around and in reviews uh what was the one that bothered me so much god i've been banging the about art of all. narrative
2: storytelling
4: the art of narrative storytelling truly a meaningless <laughs> phrase for the ages i want to put that on a t-shirt i want it tattooed <laughs> on my ass i freaking <laughs> love how ridiculously redundant that phrase is um but again, just shout out to Microsoft. I think it's awesome. I would love to read, you know, Sony's review of Halo Infinite when it comes exactly. out. I want that. that yeah,
3: yeah. I guess this is. It's good to know that this is happening, right? Like that, there are internal sort of documents where uh, people within the company are assessing products that their competitors are making. I, I, I'm with you all that this this reads like a '90s video game magazine review. Like it even has like. Both Mike and John completed the game. It's like, good job, boys. <laughs> you did it. um, but It's also like this. I mean, the fact that it's like it takes lawsuits for this stuff to come out. And Rebecca Valentine uh, at IGN put together this great piece uh, for us, basically talking about how weirdly secretive the video game industry is. And like, I don't know, we, we all watch movies and we read, um, you know, you probably see press releases about you know, the, the, the Marvel movies and like stuff on THR and EW and variety and stuff like that. And the, the, the movie side of things is always just like, Hey, we're making a movie. Here's the director. Here's the cast. Here's the plot. Here's the release date. Here's the poster. Cool. And on the video game side, they're always like, tee he, he, like we put, a, <laughs> we put a logo on a balloon and we hit it behind a countdown clock in a building. Can you find it? And you're like, just tell me what you're doing. And like six years later, they're like, the reveal is here. Like, it's so stupid. Um, and I think it's, like, to the detriment of of, of the sort of, like, product development cycle uh, to know so little for so long. But when these lawsuits happen, all this crazy stuff spills out. And this is one of those little tidbits that I feel like we haven't really seen since, like, the, the Sony hack happened a couple of years ago, which notoriously brought on tons of weird stuff, like the um, failed joint partnership between them and the Nintendo Mario movie they were developing internally and bunch of other fascinating things so yeah i i love this stuff even if it is bizarre
2: yeah the um the, that hack i think the thing i must remember is just channing tatum's like all caps text to like high up sony executives being like we should do the men in black movie together it would be amazing and then it's just like okay he's just that dude in real life but yeah, yeah. It, this is uh i, I didn't want to go too depth in depth on the trial because it's still ongoing and we'll likely get more to give a, a fuller picture. But as, as Brian has said, go check out um, the whole news team. Rebecca Valentine's piece was really great. Uh, her, Matt Kim, Kat Bailey, uh, Julie Alexander, everyone's putting in a ton of work to cover this thing exhaustively because there's a ton coming out of it. And as you said, like there is so much secrecy around these things that this, this, that this happens isn't necessarily a shock, but the fact that we get to see it and get an, a, a glimpse and understanding of how Microsoft views arguably the biggest game from their direct competitor over the last year or two. You know, it's a it's a fascinating insight, uh, especially along with the trial where the judge is trying to make a, a very clear effort to understand video games, but doesn't understand the, co- the full scope of the industry and is very much confused by why everything is so goddamn redacted. Uh, it, it's it wonderful. Re-
3: it reads like like this whole review reads like somebody, you, you know, but you don't really like it's something great.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't want I'm so to happy
3: for you, yeah, you're moving to Austin for your dream job. I mean it gets hot there <laughs> no, that's like it's just it's like kind of caddy, which I it's love.
2: yeah it's really funny um before we move on to uh, a bit of news, I do just want to bring up one last thing, literally, and that is these sneakers uh which are p g fives these are the latest Paul George and playstation collaboration. Uh, we have a news article up on i g n with a bunch of uh more in depth photos of these guys, uh, I'm just going to wave them around on the camera for a little bit. But they, um, these these are the latest collaboration. We've previously shown off the ones that were modeled on the original PlayStation. These are modeled obviously on the PS5, the sort of like blue and white aesthetic. It might be hard to see on this video quality, but some of the uh, detail is like the PlayStation face buttons, kind of like the Dual Sense on the uh, the shoes themselves. It's really cool, and there's like a little yes five logo there there's there's just a whole bunch of like little cool details about these so definitely go check that out on uh the website and you can see more in-depth photos and you can apparently get them in nba 2k uh they'll be available to like put on your players in game uh, which is
3: probably the only place you'll actually be able to find them
2: most likely yeah they go on sale uh via nike and the sneakers app on may 14th i believe may 14th or 17th I'm going to grab that date. Colin, do you remember 14. since? 14? Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of numbers floating around in my head, so I appreciate the backup.
3: <laughs> if you've um, never used the sneakers app, um, but you've been trying to get a PS5 since launch, it's just like that, but every single day. And so this is a wonderful yeah. convergence of things that are just like impossible to get, uh, that are overrun by scalpers in the secondhand market. Uh, I, it's, it's wow. Just <laughs> Do you know that in 2006, they made PlayStation Air Force Ones that go for like $60,000 now? Jesus. Like, hold on to those <laughs> hold,
2: on to you. hold on to your shoes um, can they send those to you in your size yeah they are in my size so yes i can
5: i don't you. know why they looked so big to me it
2: looked like some weird camera <laughs> it
5: looked like the biden's next to the carter's the Carter. with that weird yeah, it image did. it looked like giants next to you and i don't know why it looked so big to well, me. next you have, yeah. to, you have to be like so what size are they <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: well, people have already been asking there's been a lot of tweets where you're like do you but, need those? Um, yeah.
5: But <laughs> what, what size are they? Actually,
2: but yes, stranger. I've never spoken to here. You guys. This episode
0: of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show.
2: um but moving on from those uh, i do want to get to uh there there's quite a bit of sort of like playstation uh news and some some impressions and whatnot that i want to get to uh the first thing that i want to cover because we were not able to last week was the ratchet and clank rift apart state of play uh of course the state of play also confirmed that among us is coming to playstation with uh ratchet and clank exclusive uh cosmetics and that subnautica below zero will also be coming to playstation as well but ratchet and clank was sort of the marquee uh, 15 minutes of new gameplay. We got to look at uh, a little bit more of an understanding of the story setup, uh, Ratchet, and the, the new Lombax, whose name is Rivet, uh, who, along with their reveals, we've also gotten excellent GIFs on Twitter of Rivet as... Uh, Agatha from WandaVision and Ratchet as Zemo from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's perfect. Um, But uh, I I do want to sort of get into the nitty gritty of it all. But and I think it's fair to say that Colin and I are the the larger Ratchet and Clank fans here. But so just to start with like general impressions, I did want to hear from you, Brian and Lucy and Brian, I'll start with you of what you thought of the, the state of play presentation.
3: Uh, I really, I thought that the presentation as a whole was sort of disjointed, but that's kind of the theme with them now. It did feel a little bit like they just kind of grabbed a couple of things and glued them together, which is fine. Uh, They speed run through the first two uh, uh, news stories, which one of us was basically Among Us is coming to to PlayStation 5. Um, But then they got into the Ratchet and Clank stuff, which I admittedly only got a few minutes into and then noped out of. A, because of spoiler stuff, I kind of want to go in a little bit more blind. And B, because... um, Traditionally, after they air these things live, they put up the 4K feed and it is infinitely more beautiful to look at. So I actually watched the first few minutes twice, uh, once as it aired and a few minutes later when they put up like the the high def one. That like, if you haven't done that, please go back and watch it. It will give you such a better understanding of how absolutely stunning this game is. It's seriously one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen uh, in my entire life.
2: Yeah, I, I cannot recommend enough to, as much as I hate to say this, as long as they do them the same way never watch a state of play live because it will Mm -hmm. always look worse than what i i just straight up waited 20 minutes and as you said i I waited to watch the 4k and it is just so infinitely more also it's it's more tuned to the experience you're gonna get but it's also just more enjoyable to watch as a you know like curated piece of content um and, and as brian was saying like the detail here is ridiculous and and before uh Colin and I maybe get into a little bit nitty gritty. Lucy, I just wanted to get any sort of general thoughts from you.
4: Yeah, I mean, I... when Okay, in 1996, when Crash Bandicoot first came out, <laughs> and I went around to my friend's house, like, her parents had quite a bit of money, and, like, they bought her brother a PlayStation, and um, he was playing Crash Bandicoot, and up until then, I'd never seen a PlayStation game. Like, I just had my Sega uh, Mega Drive And when I saw him playing Crash Bandicoot, I was like, there is no way computer graphics, because that's what you call them when you're a kid, right? There is no way computer graphics can get better than this. Like, this is the pinnacle. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I hadn't felt that feeling again until I saw the 4K (laughs) gameplay of this game like uh, uh, you know, whenever it aired, was it last week? I don't recall. It yeah, is the most time. stunning. Like I, you know, it, I'm echoing what what Brian said here, but like it is just incredibly eye meltingly stunning. Like I, I cannot get over how beautiful it is, and it is it is like it is everything. It is like the best looking game I've seen since Crash Bandicoot. It is. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it is also, you know, very, it looks very next gen in that way that, you know, we haven't really quite seen yet. Um, until now I am just, and you know, I never played, I never played Ratchet and Clank. So this is, you know, I'm going to go back and play and play them before, uh, I get my hands on this, but I just, I was blown away. It is just exquisite to look at. And I, yeah, I'm rocked to my core <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um-
2: the best looking game since Crash Bandicoot and Insomniac. You have your back of the box quote because you can put like
4: <laughs> you can put like, like since Hattie Crash Dog Bandicoot nineteen ninety six exactly. <laughs> yes, excuse
2: me. Um, but no, yeah, and and Colin, I do I do want to get to your thoughts in just a second. But yeah, just to sort of give a, a brief like immediate impression for me as, as a longtime Ratchet and Clank fan too. It was as you as you both have said like just the attention to detail and and I do want to because I think there's even more here, especially on a like gameplay level and a and a. Uh, offerings level that really makes it seem like a huge robust thing but like this just feels like Insomniac showing off at this point and i kind of love it cuz like <laughs> this is this is year 1 of the ps5 that they're doing this in like they've they launched Miles Morales and Spider-Man Remastered day 1 uh this is coming out 6 months later like they are them becoming a part of the sony first party stable is just so exciting to me to see especially them put this all out within a 6 7 month period like what a what a great uh you know introduction to the generation but also man what are they going to be able to do 5 years from now on ps5 oh my like, god
4: i'm just it's making me crave the next horizon so yeah. hard yeah it's it's
2: incredible the the level of f- fidelity and detail we're getting here um you, you sort of see the the thrust of the the state of play was largely around uh this introductory sequence for ratchet after clank has gone missing for him uh, and Clank is now with Rivet at that point. Um, I won't get too much into the story beyond that, but uh, you, you get a sense of... This is definitely very early in the game, and you're just kind of getting your feet into Ratchet's uh, adventure, but it's it's such a stunning cityscape, uh, you know, down to the puddles and the amazing lighting effects that are going on to the wider uh, sort of backdrop of this metropolis and the just incredible amount of detail you see in the horizon. It, it looks... It just looks stunning. I, I cannot wait to play this thing on an, on a proper 4K TV on PS5. Um, Colin, what were your sort of big takeaways from this day to play?
5: Yeah, um, just to touch on the visuals really quick again. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, when Sony previewed and released um, Ratchet & Clank Future Tools of Destruction on the PS3. Because like that was also one of like the first big post-launch exclusives for that system. And it was like a really big like, Graphical showcase and like what this looks like now but like i thought that looked like back in like 2006 or whatever when it came out i'm sure it kind of looks a little bit gnarly now compared to how <laughs> i thought it did but like yeah it's just insomniac is so good at sort of showcasing what a system can do early on in its life cycle and it's it's been so long since we've gotten like a full-blown and clank game um I, I was looking into this and last what i would consider to be like Brand new, full length uh, ration and Clank game was probably a crack in time, and that was yeah. 2009. So it's basically been 12 years since we've had a full blown, brand new, not remade ration and Clank game. And this is like exactly what I wanted in a lot of different ways.
2: Yeah, it um, you know, we've had Into the Nexus in between the 2016 remake uh, reboot sort of thing, but yeah, this feels so expansive and i I think that was one thing that the the state of play got across really well and and colin i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it but it was you know seeing not just that we'll have ratchets main adventure, Rivet's main adventure, but all these little side things, like there will be pocket dimensions that are totally mm. side to the story. There will be uh, Glitch, which seems to be this new robot as well, who will have their own side missions. Uh, there will be flight combat. There will be, you know, uh, these major set pieces in these these big cities and everything. There's just, they just seem to keep adding all those little things. There will obviously be some like Clank-specific gameplay as well. It, it feels like, as you were saying, the full-length adventure I've been craving from Ratchet & Clank for a very mm. long time and I'm so glad they're like getting the chance to make it now.
3: It's also, I mean, like I, I would never describe uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales as games that held back Insomniac by any means. But <laughs> they are ultimately playing in somebody else's playground, which is, you know, a billion dollar IP owned by a massive studio that's been around for ages. And so I do think that there is probably somewhat of a ceiling on how bizarre or weird or creative they can get with with that world obviously they go nuts with it and miles especially is just like there there's just insane things happening in terms of particle effects and lighting and you know just creativity up the wazoo but this is this is a whole new world this is this is an ip that is owned and operated by them and it feels like they're just like throwing everything at the wall and and it's working like they, they they basically can go in and just say hey what if we did this what if we did that what if we kept stacking more and more powers and objectives and uh moves and and just crazy unique ideas enemy design like they're just going totally bonkers with it they're really going for it and i i love that about it
2: yeah it's um it's really thrilling to see this and you know we've in past previews gotten a a look at the uh the portal jumping gameplay and all of that stuff but i think what's really exciting here is to see that it's more than just that as like a gimmick uh like there is so much more going on here and and calling them a little curious to hear just your thoughts on like the general gameplay that we saw with some of the weapons and the 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 landscapes that we saw the environments, how how did uh, all that strike you as a, as a longer time Ratchet and Clank fan
5: yeah uh so uh i had i had played the ratchet and clank ps4 game again um because sony like made it its life goal to make sure that that game was free in as many ways as possible for people to play it um uh and it, what struck me was, like, how sort of planted you are in that game and in really all previous Ratchet & Clank games. You know, for, for a video game where you have, like, a, a rocket-powered uh, robot on your back that, like, can shoot you up in the air, you, it really does sort of have you on the ground a lot, and you can strafe and you can do flips and stuff. But, like, the big thing here that, like, really got me excited was sort of, like, the dash mechanics. It, it seems like it's so much more fluid and so much more, like... Uh, energetic and quick paced um cuz you really didn't have that sort of dodge mechanic at least i don't recall in in past uh Ratchet and clank games and so having that i think will make things like way more frenetic, way more fast paced and then combining that with like these amazing uh weapons there's the i can't remember what they called it but the one where it basically just turned everything into plants when it's, yes. yeah. uh, it used a yeah. spr- sprinkler sprinkler on them and it looked gorgeous and, and there was some grenade that like they threw it and exploded and that explosion looked like it could have been from like Ryan last dragon like some server farm like generated disney movie <laughs> um and like it just everything everything seems like it's running on all cylinders i like think that's it,
4: doing it, yeah. that movie a disservice colin come on now
5: <laughs> okay well regardless <laughs> we'll
4: save that for our disney
2: uh, show of
5: course the uh, the topiary something or other. Yeah, yeah, i saw topiary for a
2: sprinkler was just up there yeah
5: um yeah uh that's a million dollar word i can't keep that in my brain um, <laughs> but uh yeah, it just, it's, the gameplay really just looks, excuse the pun, it up uh, quite a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to my hands on this. <laughs>
2: uh, clank it up. Um, yeah, no, it's, I think that's one thing that was exciting to me. And I think Brian maybe speaks a little bit to your point about like the, the whole Spider-Man of it all. Like as much as we love those games, Spider-Man's list of gadgets could only be so much because it's in a grounded world. It's, um, you know based on what Peter can produce and all that stuff and, and the things he has at his uh, disposal. Here, it can just be whatever silly idea they have. You know, this is a series that is famous for its disco ball-throwing guns and the go- mm-hmm. the sheepinator uh, or the goatinator, if you, you uh, level it up. Like, they they are known for the wackiest, weirdest things. And to see something like the topiary sprinkler, like, I hope that's just an indication of several more weird ones to come because it's, it's so fun to see the way they can make combat be hilarious at the same time it is like challenging and rewarding to go through
3: that said uh avengers endgame did end with you know hundreds of people jumping through purple circles it's and true. they are going in a multiverse territory in the MCU. <laughs> so potentially we could get a spider-man game where he also jumps through purple circles
2: that that's what all games should have more of purple circles is i think <laughs> the, the the key back of the box uh feature that you want to list it's so
4: hard for you guys to say isn't it Purple, Purple
2: circles. circles, yeah.
4: Yeah, that's hot Oz. It, it, <laughs> it
2: feels like one of those warm-ups that you would do before a play, like the...
4: Plus like the, <laughs> the
3: R's and more just our, our failed education system.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I. it's, you know, we're, we're a little bit over a month out to Ratchet and & Clank, and I'm sure we'll see more before then, or, you know, hopefully around launch, be able to talk about it quite a bit. But uh, yeah, overall, this was something that i think we've needed for a long time because we've been pretty much just relying on that single extended gameplay look for the last six seven months which as great as it looked was very much like a like an e3 slice where you're like i can see what the game could be but i don't have a full understanding of it this felt more like a here's the scope of the game and it it just seems so layered also- so dense uh and shout out to them also for uh putting it up there toward the end of the state of play, but saying that they'll have more to show off later. Uh, The accessibility features in the game seem very extensive. uh, And I'm I'm happy that they made the time for that, that they said they're going to um, give more time to that later on. Uh, I think Spider-Man and especially with Miles Morales and Remastered were Uh, Got a lot of very great acclaim as they should have for their suite of accessibility features, and I'm glad to see that that's coming to Ratchet too. Uh, Just because, even you know, both of these I think are such mass appeal sort of franchises, or can be, uh, that I think that's a great a great goal for them to strive for.
4: I also Um, think it's important important to like like
3: not look at this game anymore.
4: Fair enough. (laughs) I'm sold. I, I think a couple of episodes back, I was having a bit of a. A whine about uh how you know playstation wasn't sort of giving ps5 owners or those looking to buy a ps5 this year uh enough to kind of like chew on um post post launch and this is really scratched that itch i mixed my metaphors but it really like you know in terms of uh, I, I keep going back to in terms of like promising what the PS5 can do um now and you know the potential that it has. Uh this is just such a showcase for it. Like this is, to me, this is a real system seller of a of a showcase. And hopefully the game delivers. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially
2: um I, I think a lot of the the story of this next gen uh launch has been, well, it's a lot of cross-gen, so you don't need to worry Uh, especially while these things are so hard to find. But uh, I think with Returnal, Demon's Souls, and and now especially, I think Ratchet & Clank really is the one that is like, here's the start of where things are really going in next gen. It's really, really exciting to see. Um, Hopefully they can fix the other problem of uh, allowing people to buy their console. To buy the thing. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll get there. probably just not. Um, before we, we move on, in terms of uh, a more sort of in-depth look at the accessibility stuff, I did just want to shout out a uh, former guest of the show, uh, Laura Kate Dale, when the uh, State of Play happened, uh, did a phenomenal uh, in-depth uh, Twitter thread about all of the accessibility features. Uh, so if you want a sort of uh, closer look at someone especially more involved and entrenched in that uh, community and uh, about looking into accessibility in gaming, uh, go check out uh, Laura's Twitter feed. You can find them at Laura k buzz uh, for more and it was a really really great insightful feed uh, moving on from there before we we leave insomnia completely did just want to briefly mention uh, Sony has apparently recently trademarked sunset overdrive which of course so far has only been an Xbox exclusive uh, came to pc in 2018 uh, which was before Sony owned or acquired uh, insomnia completely in 2019 but uh, you know it's another sort of breadcrumb of hope for Sunset Overdrive, maybe not being dead, or for at least a port of some kind coming to PlayStation. Uh if you're an Insomniac fan and you have either an Xbox or a PC that can play it, uh, I can't recommend going to check out Sunset Overdrive enough. Like sort of speaking to the the creativity that Brian was mentioning of getting to play within their own wheelhouse um, and, and just getting to like go all out with just a strange, weird, fun, uh really kinetic and exciting experience. Sunset Overdrive is such a great game
3: um yeah i feel like they did they they went with xbox originally because sony wanted to own the rights of the ip and they wanted to retain them independently correct
2: i believe that was the story i'd have to double check but i i remember that being at least some of why insomniac took a little bit of a break from their playstation relationship i i think at least from interviews and stuff that was given at the time yeah
3: yeah i really hope this game makes it to uh ps5 it's so awesome and totally slept on. Um, I think people ignored it at the time because, you know, I, I don't think uh, Insomniac's always been fantastic, but they their buzz is at a different level these days. And yeah. so I think that like there was there was a lot of excitement around this, you know, patent reveal, uh, because <laughs> this is this is hot off of you know, Ratchet and Clank and and Miles Morales and Spider-Man. And now people are like, oh, yeah, it's that studio. That's what they do um so hopefully people I, I i love when games like this get a second chance um because it is so awesome and i feel like not enough people played it so i i really hope it it, it gets another one
1: yeah i
4: mean i think sean Leyden said at the time of the acquisition um that you know that it wasn't a massive focus uh and then the, again this was back in 2019 you know saying sunset overdrive was great for for insomniac like at the time but now you know with their attention is 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 towards spider-man and and Ratchet and Clank. Um, what I would like to see is a remake of this uh and that that takes advantage of the p s five and introduces sunset overdrive to a, a new audience because one of the problems with the original release was that just not enough people played it yeah. um and I would love to see more people play it on a on a you know a a more advanced console and then potentially see what they can do with the uh you know with the i p from there so i i'm not in a in a great hurry to see some kind of like sequel from insomniac i think as you said altano like their attentions are i think you know they've evolved since then Mm -hmm. um but it would be great to see this expanded to a new audience and then see what we can do with it
2: yeah it's um i i totally agree with you i think it, it needs a reintroduction especially on playstation before they moved on to a sequel but um it it's another little bit of hope especially alongside uh the game's Uh, Director Drew Murray recently rejoining Insomniac Games uh, after being at the initiative of Microsoft Studio working on Perfect Dark uh, for a little while. Uh, He's rejoined Insomniac, so perhaps there is hope in Sunset Overdrive, but for now, uh, you'll need an Xbox or a PC to play it. Uh, But hopefully that changes later on. Uh, Moving forward with a little bit of news, I did just briefly want to mention before we get into some stuff we've been playing and whatnot, uh, PlayStation has announced they've acquired a minority interest in Discord, uh, and there will be sort of a a PlayStation and Discord integration coming sometime next year. Uh, So PlayStation has not fully acquired Discord, they're still, you know, their own company and able to work with other Uh, other companies as well but this sort of came after uh, a lot of reports that Microsoft was interested in buying out Discord Uh, and then PlayStation uh, via a blog post by Jim Ryan kind of came in and was like we're actually friends now Uh, and we saw them sort of discussing the the plans for the future and and what that will entail Uh, we don't have a full scope of it but essentially they want to connect Discord uh, as it says in the blog post quote with your social and game experience on PlayStation Network Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups and communities to hang out, have fun and communicate more easily while playing games together. Um, I do want to hear some of all of your thoughts, but just to briefly say I I've been using Discord more and more as a uh, a part of my gaming life, uh, whether it's chatting with people for like Uh, you know multiplayer or just what people are playing and whatnot it's become more and more a facet of that and playstation's party system has always been a little bit i think contentious with the general playstation fan base it's not always been the most loved feature so i think them saying well rather than us keep trying to tweak this thing that people don't love we'll just partner with the people who obviously are one of the most used platforms for that i think is just a very smart sensible move
4: yeah, anything that like unifies communication, is <laughs> always going to be a plus. I think it's extremely smart to do it this way. And as you say, Dono, just going to where the gamers are instead of like appealing to bring them towards a different uh, mode of communication. This is it, this is very smart. This is Sony listening to the audience, looking at where the audience uh, is. Um, I, I think it's you know, there's not a huge amount to say about it other than it's a very very good business move and it's also a great uh, consumer fronting move as well
3: discord is awesome it's uh i mean it's been a, a savior in the pandemic I, I don't know how we would have done this pandemic 10 years ago with just like crappy <laughs> crappy versions <laughs> of discord we're literally on discord right now it's it's awesome yeah. I, I i would love to see playstation integrate with it um that's great do it
2: this, uh, this show wouldn't probably be happening if it was without Discord. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, definitely an exciting thing to see and I think speaks to their sort of emphasis on partnerships over immediate acquisitions. But uh, it's, it's an exciting thing to continue seeing. Uh, before we move into what we're playing, I did just briefly want to mention, uh, as silly as timing is, Returnal is set to get an update today. Uh, with the details of what that update will entail. Uh, We don't know what that is as we're recording. We're recording, unfortunately, about an hour before that update will be announced. (laughs) Um, So obviously, if it's anything big, you can find coverage of it on IGN or... On your playstation but uh, i was amused by the fact that the the update came with the news that or the the warning of make sure you either have finished a run or turn off auto updates because obviously i think one of the biggest conversations around returnal that has popped up since its launch has been the fact that there are no save states uh if you're in the middle of a run you're locked into that run uh you can't save it and put it down for later other than in rest mode um, I think it's sort of put into very sharp relief the the want for a quick resume feature on PlayStation more than anything, um, mm-hmm. you know, to avoid this in general. But uh, obviously, I think people are hoping for a save feature. I would be shocked personally if they were able to add it that quickly. Uh, that yeah. feels like a pretty major implementation that I think could come down the line in a month or two, maybe, or, you know, a little bit longer. But I cannot imagine a week after launch them being able to functionally have that ready to go.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah. This has been kind of a thing. I, I, um, it feels like it's, it's once again trudged up that ancient and terrible, you know, awful toxic argument about, you know, accessibility and easy mode and it, it, things get very gatekeepy there. I feel like this is a slightly more muted version of that conversation because, uh, from the jump, uh, House said, Hey, use rest mode. Uh, like we're actually imploring you to use rest mode in the middle of a run. This is not one of those things where you have to sit down and, hold your piss until you finish like they were like there's a solution here but then they're also beaming auto updates to the game that were uh canceling out people's runs uh playstation 5 itself was updating and uh rebooting rest uh, the 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 rest mode stuff um yeah i'm with you like quick resume on xbox is awesome it's like 10 or 11 games you can unplug your system on series x and i i don't know how that works but it just remembers um And so I would like them to see some uh, implement something like that here. I was thinking a lot about, uh, I was in a meeting about, uh, roguelikes with a bunch of IGN folk the other day. And I was talking about binding of Isaac, which is, you know, one of the best roguelike games ever made. And it does a really interesting, it handles this, this, this scenario, very interestingly in that you, uh, hypothetically do get a save state. Um, you can launch back into where you were, but once you do that, it's gone. So, um, I think that's a that's like a so you you don't have people save scumming and basically cheesing their way through the game, which personally, I don't care if you do, because this is ultimately a single player game. So um, maybe disable that for the leaderboards or whatever, but I don't care about that part. But in terms of just like bringing you back to where you were, I feel like that's the best solution for it. Um, Mark said they're like they're reading feedback about it, which means that this wasn't a straight up like, no. (laughs) This is only for hardcore gamers, because if they're already telling you, you know, use rest mode, that means they have they have a foot in the door on the, you know, uh, the idea of being a little bit open to being OK with this being a feature added down the line. But I'm with you, Jonathan, like, I, I mean, and I don't know how games are designed, but this feels like a decision that was made very early on in the development process, and it could take some time to get back to where it needs to be. Uh, that said, if you're looking for easy mode, in the meantime, there's a Reddit thread going around today where somebody figured out that if you plug in a USB keyboard on your PS5, a thing I've never thought to do, you can type in old school cheat codes. And I saw like, that, yeah. <laughs> like get, you know, st- start with special guns and uh, re- you know reboot on certain runs and stuff like that. So if that's what you're looking for. Go for it. Have at it. It's your game. You bought it. I don't care what you do with it. I'm not going to gatekeep you. Go, go uh, have fun with it. Uh,
2: it. Just just to uh, hop off that very quickly, uh, actually breaking, the patch notes did come out early. So cool. I can't actually say them. They don't have any mention of save state stuff. I think, uh, as we were saying, it's very understandable, that that'll be later. Uh, largely, it's fixing an issue where certain trophies might not unlock under specific gameplay conditions. People are having trophy issues. Unfortunately, the trophies will need to be replayed to unlock. Um stability fixes addressed uh for cra- <laughs> you, you gotta do it again. Uh for crashes and sort of like stuttering hangs in the game. Uh people who pre-ordered had multiple suits that you could unlock, a thing I had no idea existed, uh, mm. but people were unable to get them or they were blocking other item collection and door opening. Uh fixed incorrect healing behavior when resting in your ship. Uh, configuration changes to increase the number of uh, scout corpses available in all biomes this is a thing that a few of us who were playing pre-launch saw a lot of other people's uh, dead salines on the ground saw where they died the cause of it you could run into them and it would cause a new encounter those seem to just kind of disappear for most players when the game actually launched Uh, those are seemingly integrated back in fixed issues with certain custom controller mappings and other fixes and improvements so yeah as we were saying i think any sort of feature like that, I would not expect to come, you know, a couple of weeks after launch. Uh, I, I think uh, this is something that, if it does come, will be a couple months, weeks at best, but probably a few months down the line, unfortunately.
3: I had uh, some players on Twitter tell me that they had this borderline game-breaking bug where they weren't able to go through certain doors. So hopefully, I mean, it sounds like they... There's something in, in the patch notes about doors. Hopefully yes, the doors yeah. are, are good now. <laughs> yes. Uh, I like ho- when the doors work in video games.
2: <laughs> it's, it's nice when the doors in a game where you have to go through a lot of doors do in fact work. But uh, as we learned from uh, Naughty Dog and several other people on Twitter, doors are notoriously difficult to make in video games. Um, moving, moving on from there, though, just to get into a little bit of what we've been playing right now. Uh, Colin, I want to start with you uh, as the, the newest guest on the show. What, what have you been playing recently that you've been enjoying?
5: Um, I have been playing every Resident Evil game. Um, every mainline Resident Evil game. Uh, I'm extremely excited for Village. Um, the reviews just came out for it this morning. Uh, our reviewer, Tristan, gave it an 8 for great, which means it's a great game, so if you're excited about it, you should probably pick it up and play it. Um, uh, but as I... I think all of you might have been in this meeting with me, but I kind of embarrassingly, embarrassingly revealed that my first uh, Resident Evil, was Evil 5 um, which yeah. is such a weird place to start. Um, I, I was just...
4: there, Colin. I remember <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs>
5: um, well, I I had I rented it, and me and my best friend from childhood like played through almost the entire game in one sitting. And that game co op is pretty fun. It's like maybe not an amazingly well designed game, but it is pretty fun co op. Um, and then like my experience with Resident Evil had been so scattershot. Like I tried playing four a few times, but I was too scared. <laughs> Um, and I kept buying it thinking that like, I'll be less scared this time. And the third time I bought that <laughs> friggin', game, um, I finally beat it. And now it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of my top 10 favorite games. I adore a,
3: Resident Evil. A lot of therapists say that that's a good solution for like phobias. Like, if you see a spider <laughs> I've throw money at it until you're
5: okay with it.
4: Yeah. It's CBT. It really does work. It's CBT.
5: <laughs> and so, yeah, my experience was like so scattershot that like, I have never played through it in order. Um, and one of the, Cool things about Resident Evil is all the mainline entries really do sort of progress chronologically. Um, so I just I literally started at zero with Resident Evil Zero and I've just been playing all the way through and I beat seven like three days ago and so I'm all revved up and ready to go for Village.
4: Well, wait, so I, you, I you need beat to beat six
5: too. I yeah uh, yeah I did I did.
4: Okay okay so okay okay you... okay. What no wait. What was your favorite and what was your least favorite
5: of all the Resident Evil games? Yes. Oh, easy. It's the, it's the traditional answer. Four is my favorite, six is my least favorite. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah.
3: So this is, this is bizarre because I, well, it's not that bizarre. I mean, there's a brand new Resident Evil game coming out this week. So I think we both got bitten by this. I'm five. playing
2: <laughs> seven also, guys. Yeah. What's going on?
3: <laughs> I, uh, I'm a gigantic Resident Evil fan. And I just finished a feature for IGN, seven things you don't know about Resident Evil. So it got me like kind of replaying a bunch of the games. And I realized there's a couple of them that were blind spots to me uh 5 I played through once when it first came out and really really didn't like. I was just like really angry at it for taking all of the sort of ramping up all the most like kind of actiony parts in the in the, the the last third of Resident Evil 4 and turning that into a whole game. And then 6 I literally never played. And so I just <laughs> replayed 5 like a week ago um and liked it a lot more. There's a lot of stuff that has definitely not aged well. Um but then uh, I'm actually playing through six as we speak for the very first time, and it is completely bizarre it is such a <laughs> it is such a weird departure from everything else but uh like two or three i about'd say like two hours in a leons campaign um mm. it started to click a little bit, and I was like, oh there's actually some really interesting ideas here, some really cool settings, some really like kind of fun boss fights. The whole game is bizarre because you're just running around like everything is done on your cell phone, and it, it's <laughs> super ragdoggy there rag dolly there's like a Um, like a dodge move and it just it everything feels off like everything after coming off of four and five which feel you know like spiritual successors six is such a bizarre departure but as a whole the franchise is so weird and i'm like actually hard pressed to find a video game franchise that's this all over the place that goes from fixed camera perspectives to you know kind of over the shoulder Uh, stop and shoot third-person shooters with action-oriented sequences to fps games to like uh, survival horror there's remakes demakes in the middle of all of it like it's super weird to like see it's not like like lucy you're watching all the fast and furious movies right now Mm -hmm. those are like ostensibly like similar like there's a lot of like sort of like there you know there's there's obviously the quality goes all over the place there but in terms of like genre and stuff like that you're like i you know there's a there's a theme here that we're following. Mm-hmm. Resident mm-hmm. Evil is so weird to replay. Like they're all over the place.
1: I
4: agree, and that's one of the reasons why I love the Resident Evil series. However, I am the same as you, Altano. I I played everything um apart from maybe the the most obscure, you know, maybe DS games. <laughs> they were Resident Evil DS games, right? Or am I Deadly thinking Silence, that? Yeah,
3: it's a it's a touchscreen remake of the original one,
4: right? Um, but <laughs> I, I I started six in in 2012 when it came out. I played through one campaign because you can play through. It's you get three, right? Is it three or four? Three or four? Yeah. Three or four?
3: From what I've heard, they keep getting worse. So
4: <laughs> I played through one campaign, and I was just like this is everything i hate this i was like and again <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't touched this since 2012 but i was like i hate this this is everything that i don't like about the resident evil series amped up to 11. like it was just it was not scary it was just super like action-y bro like just not what resident evil is um i may revisit it upon your verdict just now uh, because I do kind of want to be that completionist, and I really want to have like the full legacy before I, you know, behind me before I I, I reach village. But mm-hmm. holy sh! That game is rough.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's- it, it had an identity crisis for a while there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would argue it still kind of does to some degree. But like there was there were two sort of opposing ideologies of what that franchise should be, and there were people being like. Survival horror, and there are other people being like Call of Duty, (laughs) and you're like, what do you want to be? And Resident Evil Six is just this bizarre jack of all trades of trying to appease all of those things. Right. I I will say that at the very least, it's incredibly ambitious, and I would rather watch or experience something that's bad but like really swinging for the fences in a lot of ways than just like kind of bad and and tepid and you know mediocre run of the mill. Um, but at the very least, I will say that Leon's campaign is interesting. It's I bought, like, there was a sale of Resident Evil games on Xbox recently, so I think I bought six for, like, seven bucks, Mm. and I'm like, that's about as much as you deserve in 2021.
5: The bad news is Leon's campaign is probably the best one. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, no, six is just really frustrating on a lot of levels, because, like, there's good stuff in there. There's a lot of really cool creature designs, and, like, the inner, like, secting stories is, like pulled in a pretty interesting way it's just completely crumbles under its own weight like they tried to do too much it's way too long uh playing through all four of those campaigns is just yeesh like get me out of here um looked
3: up how long to beat for that game and it said like 21 or 22 hours and i was like oh
4: why
2: yeah (laughs) like yeah it's
4: i know that the remakes kind of like return to i know that a lot of people didn't like three but i really enjoyed the three remake um but i know that the remakes kind of like almost soft rebooted what you know we loved about the resident evil series and hyper focused on what made them great and you know played a rift rift on what made them great in interesting ways but i do feel like seven was a true return to i think seven seven more effectively no, that's a lie, because I think Resident Evil 2 remake is the best Resident Evil game. But I think in terms of, like, in terms of, um, you know, the mainline series, I think Resident Evil 7 did a really good job at uh, bringing the series in step with what, like, modern survival horror looks like in, you know, like the stuff that scares us now and how far we've evolved from the, the creaky old zombies, um, while also maintaining the of Resident Evil kind of, weirdness. I think what's interesting about Tristan's review of of eight, and um of course, you know, I can't speak to it because I haven't played it, that you know, they've sort of softened the 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 all out balls out terror <laughs> of Seven. Because Seven was very much like, you know, it had that kind of alien isolation, like you are being pursued and there is nothing you can do about it. You are absolutely at the mercy of, you know, a terrifying AI. And uh, and Tristan's review said, well they've kind of like They've dulled that a little bit. And I don't know, I'm curious as to how we're all going to sort of feel about that. For me, I prefer the, I prefer the like white knuckle terror.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you and I are both gigantic horror fans. So like I reading that I was like a little bit like, oh man, like there are, there are parts of seven that I still think about as if they were real places that I visited that I almost crap my pants. Like there yeah. are like <laughs> genuinely like the basement of seven, the like oh God. that Ugh. that weird back swamp house with that old lady walking around. Like I think about that place a lot. Like it's a yeah. real place I went to. Like I went on a on a vacation and I had to stay at a bad hotel. Like that's how I think about that. Um, this is this is like not really a hot take, but I'm I'm immeasurably excited for eight. I sort yeah. of wish it was uh like a third person game. I don't think the gunplay in these games are particularly good. I revisited seven recently and even playing the demos for eight. I'm like, I love everything here, but actually like shooting things is not as fun for me. It feels, it's always feels kind of mushy. And so um, I'll play the hell out of it and I can't wait for it. But I I do wish that this was like, like I'm reading all these things about Resident Evil 4. Tristan's review, the first sentence says like, first thing I thought I was Resident Evil 4 and I was like, Ooh, I'm in.
1: Yeah. Um, But if this
3: was a third person game, I think I'd be, it's through the stratus stratus excited but you know i'm still there i'm still very high up on
2: it yeah yes i was i was listening <laughs> i just had to turn my light back on no i i'm very much there as i've been playing through seven in the past week because i never finished it uh and even though everyone decries the ending i just kind of wanted to finish it to have said i did before the, the game comes out and i'm totally with you like there's the the sense of space and atmosphere they build is just so so all-consuming and unrelenting, but in a way that I, I can't get enough of. And so I, I am very curious to see how the tonal shift uh, back to sort of more of a balance of the scary and the weird. We'll, we'll work here but as someone who hasn't played RE4 yet. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how village uh plays out but yeah I, I'm I'm equally excited as all of you are. Um Lucy what what have you been playing? That you-
4: Okay, I'll go I'll go fast. Um so I've just started playing Dead by Daylight because as a horror fan I figured like this is a blind spot for me and I like they keep introducing new characters uh from you know the hall of great horror uh protagonists and and uh i'm terrible at it i haven't figured out the perk system at all i'm playing it as you would like play it out in a horror scenario i just run and hide i don't use i don't know how to use my perks very well i don't know how to like collaborate with my fellow like survivors um playing as a killer is so much fun have you guys played this yeah I have not yeah, like yeah. Oh. playing as the killer is so much fun. And it's just like, it is, it's disturbingly, <laughs> it's disturbingly like gives you a real rush of power. <laughs> like, it's like I was playing and I was like, should I be enjoying it this much? Like I'm just like dragging people screaming and throwing them on hooks and like cackling away to myself. It's messed um,
5: up for sure.
4: <laughs> it's really messed up like that, that. Like it really empowers you to be this like evil creature. Um, I, I, am really digging it. Like I, again, I've only just started playing. I've only dipped my toes in, um, but I would love any tips that you have, for you know, getting better because right now I'm like, um, I'm a very messy, messy player, but I'm, I, I'm really digging it. I'm really digging how it feels like playing a, a horror movie in the best kind of way.
3: You you can tell it was like crafted by people who genuinely care about the genre. Um, I, I I think it's like legit, probably probably the best asymmetrical multiplayer game out there. And like I don't that that's not necessarily my my universe, you know. But I I love that game. Like I'll hop in every now and then and just do what you did, Lucy. Was just like hang teenagers on hooks for a couple hours. <laughs> me feel but uh why did i enjoy that so much what does that say oh
4: i've had a stressful day at work yeah. i just need to hang some teenagers on a hook and being, and lying <laughs> down. How
3: being a teen- teenager getting stalked by somebody in that game is legit terrifying like there's it's
4: there's, so scary it does a
3: really good job of building tension it does a really good job of making you feel like you have you're powerless and all you can really do is run and hide and poop your pants It's great <laughs>
4: Uh, um and I just quickly wanted to also just because I saw that Colin's been playing it as well I just want I, I started playing Undertale for the first time I'm sort of just going through these like blind spot games for me like like sort of you know piles of shame I guess um and Undertale is one that I've never played before um yeah it's it's definitely interesting I think it's been hyped up a little uh, a little too much for me uh, I was very like ready for a sort of meta experience and um and, I, and while I'm enjoying it I'm sort of like okay what what else what else is there to this you know like I need more like uh but no I'm, I'm digging it it's interesting it's weird it's just uh yeah I'm waiting I'm waiting for it to click I suppose I've, you I've had cool?
5: a super similar experience uh right. to Lucy with this and I the funny thing is I think we got the same idea to play it at the same time because we were in that meeting where I revealed my shame of playing Resident Evil 5 as my first Resident Evil. And we were talking about Undertale, and I'm like, I really should play this game. Like, I love Mother and Earthbound, and and I know it's quirky, and I love RPGs. And then I looked up alongdebeat.com, and it was like, oh, five hours. I'm like, oh yeah, I could definitely beat that before Village comes out. And so I played through it, and I think it's a great game. I think it's super creative and interesting. And I get why so many people adore that game. I just don't think I'm really on that same level of love for it. But um, I'm really excited for Delta Rune in 2087 when it finally
2: comes out. <laughs> it's uh, a... Chill. No, go, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to just say that it's uh, it's also a game, I think, and I've only ever played it through once, but it's very much, especially speaking to our former producer, Barrett Courtney, it's very much a game that is predicated on beating it multiple times and seeing yeah. the way the game changes per those playthroughs uh, without spoiling too much for those who haven't played. But yeah, that seems to be a real crux of why people love it so much. But I, I haven't gotten to that point either. So I, I get where you guys are coming from.
3: I feel like it's sort of a victim of its own, uh, hype. Not necessarily hype is not really the word I would use for it, but it it, it does feel like there was, there was this like lightning in the bottle in the moment, uh, Mm. discussion that happened around that game and how it sort of bucked expectations and, um, you know, diverted what people really thought a game like that could be. And many of us just kind of missed that conversation. So coming in a couple of years later, I feel like it was one of those things where I I wish I had played it when it first came out. I had people to talk to about, and I was like, "Oh my god, did you see this? Did you find this?" Because years later, I'm I'm just kind of like, "Oh yeah, that's." I played it for the first time last year, and I'm I'm totally with you guys. I was like, "This is this is lovely and interesting." Oh wow, look look at that! I didn't know you could do that. That's (laughs) that's cute. But to be like, "Oh my god, groundbreaking, revolutionary," I feel like I missed that conversation, and I'm kind of envious of the people that were there for it. Yeah, me too. Totally.
2: Uh, Before we wrap up, Brian, anything else that you just wanted to give a shout out that you've been playing?
3: Um, Returnal. I'm yeah. madly in love with this game. I, we touched on patch notes and stuff briefly, but I do just want to say a what, what an absolute delight f- this game is. Sorry, <laughs> it's just like to to for. Okay, let me let me gather my thoughts. <laughs> I I adore bleak, weird, hard sci, uh, sci-fi. I love horror. I, I love um sort of uh just dis- empty, desolate dystopian hellscapes full of horrible aliens. I love schmops sh- Like this is such a, what a wonderful, incredible convergence of things that I just d- d- deeply, deeply uh, adore. I was like a few hours in this game and I was like, I don't even understand how I could like this game anymore. And then they were like, Oh, you get like a beam Katana lightsaber. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is so extremely, my. I love this so, so much. Um, it hasn't really reared its head for me in terms of like the frustrating end game parts of it yet. Um, i'm still taking my time this is a game that i feel like is best played with uh really nice headphones the the the, the sort of like the marriage of dual sense and and 3d audio in this game creates such a like such a distinctly next gen feeling that you know one of those things that I, i feel like this is the first time i've really been like okay the ps5 is really singing right now in terms of what it's capable of doing the the little noises that it makes when like there are all these little audio cues that happen through vibrations on dual sense um such as emptying a clip it goes like diff, 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 diff. and it's just like one of those things that like i implore you to play this game with headphones on with with the dual sense all charged up keep all the features going but then also take your headphones off and do a run just listening to your controller because the amount of things that it is fe- like information it's feeding you uh just through haptic feedback is brilliant and uh i, I feel like they're not really getting the credit they deserve for that right now. I hope this is a new benchmark for what developers can do with those things. Um, it's 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 the kind of thing that uh, if really people start firing on all cylinders on that on that front, it's going to make the decision between playing a third party game on Series X versus PS5 very easy for me because I, I think people really need to start utilizing those features because they're fantastic. But I love it. The music's great. The atmosphere's awesome. Uh, the gunplay is fantastic. The bosses are creepy and weird and gross. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love big, bleak sci-fi horror stuff and it's just, it's perfect.
2: What, uh, what biome are you on? I'm on the third one. Okay, cool. Just wanted to check. Um, yeah, I, just to follow up from last week, I'm in the fifth biome still. I'm taking my time, as Brian said, and it's just, I think the, the boss fights are like second to none. They are just some of my favorite boss fights in games in a really long time. They are such a marriage of third person action and the bullet hell uh shoot 'em up arcade style that housemark knows how to do so well it's it's such a treat and yeah as you were saying it uses the ps5 in a, a way i don't really think a game besides astros has so far and i hope that it encourages other devs to do the same cuz it it does really feel quantifiably different here um, but yeah, other than that, uh, we're going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, before before we do, I uh, just wanted to ask if there's anything that any of you have been working on or, uh, you know, really enjoying recently outside of games that you want to plug. Brian, I'll, I'll just start with you.
3: Uh, I talked about it before I just uh, finished this feature, which was um, worked on by tons of people on the features team. Uh, the seven things you didn't know about Resident Evil. I've also, uh, I have a couple of like really cool, fun shoots coming up that I can share with some really awesome people um hopefully those go well part of the reason my mom green screen today but yeah we'll get there
4: (laughs) uh lucy i want to share the fact that i have been watching the fast and the furious movies for the first time um i am up to seven now so i've got two left um i do want to say that tokyo drift is not a cult like darling it sucked it was so (laughs) bad Uh, you you and lucy james have been watching at the same time and both i was like like, oh it's gonna be like all subversive and i'm gonna find all these like amazing like little things treats to enjoy you know in this notoriously kind of clunky film but i was just like this is awful (laughs) um But, uh, you know, like I've, I've been, I've been having a blast with it. Like what a series to, uh, to sort of binge all at once. Like I, I I'm, I'm having so much fun. I'm, I don't want it to end. I'm very excited for for seven and eight, uh, we're, we're sort of eking it out slowly because yeah, we, we don't want this, this ride to end. And, and Donna, I've, I've been enjoying sort of, Talking with you about it as as a Fast and the Furious connoisseur yourself, of course,
2: of course. Uh, no, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun to hear your updates, and I um, I think for anyone who is a fan and maybe isn't as keyed into like the industry side of things, but, like behind the scenes drama of that series is arguably as fun as what happens on screen. <laughs> so if you've never really looked into like what's happened, I definitely recommend taking a look around. There's a lot of great uh, retrospectives and features and and stories and interviews. Um, one of my favorite being, sorry, go ahead. I know. Go for it. I was just going to say one of my favorite is the fact that uh, Ja Rule didn't come back for too fast because he wanted more money that they wouldn't pay for him. So they they introduced Tyrese Gibson's character uh, because they needed another supporting character for uh, Paul Walker's Brian. And then... Tyrese has been just a mainstay because the series catapulted to such fame. And now they're all hugely successful, but he was like this, I, I want this to be like, he really wanted the money and it just didn't happen. And he lost out. <laughs> Which, that's exactly and then
4: Ja went on to the fire festival. I mean, he yep. made some great choices <laughs> in his career.
3: Right. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of what happened with Iron Man too, right?
4: Uh, with uh, uh, Don
3: uh, the- Jill came in or um, yeah
2: yeah using the same character yeah when they when they switched uh roadie yes yeah i'm i'm totally blanking but yes yeah um Uh,
3: one of my one of my favorite anecdotes about the fast and furious movies is that weird um there's this constant like standoff between uh vin diesel and the the rock in terms of like height disparity so they're shot (laughs) at these bizarre angles where like it it one of them always looks like he's like 40 feet tall and the other one looks incredibly tiny. And like, I think they did it to make people feel like they're on the same page, but the reverse thing happened. And so like there's this awesome meme of uh, it looks like it looks like people have drawn the rest of their bodies outside of the frame. So it looks like the rock <laughs> is holding up this baby Vin Diesel. And it's, it's so good. Yeah.
2: I think that might have been in in six Lucy. You may have had the the greatest look at that, which is essentially in the driveway at the end, where they kind of like slowly take steps toward each other, but they're not looking directly at one another. It's it's incredible the filmmaking that has to go into making those two men feel happy is just. Well,
4: I mean, this is the thing they, they notoriously hate each other. I mean, this is no this is no like insider secret. Oh, right? totally. Yeah. They notoriously hate each other, and you can so tell. You can yeah. so tell. It's glorious. Notice that the most in
2: fate of the furious when you get to eight but that's a conversation for another time uh colin anything that you want to shout out uh well
5: to keep talking about fast and the furious um uh i i actually was gonna try to do the same thing as lucy and watch through it and i guess i got seven and a half minutes into the first movie and the uh the the gay f word i'm not gonna say it obviously gets thrown out like immediately Uh, and i'm just like oh my god 20 years ago was like a different era i can't believe but i did so, plan on it was watching
4: some so of them. I got like halfway
5: through that movie and i was like it's
4: very cool yeah Diana. but it was it was so it's so sexist like like going like i you know yeah. but it's crazy that in you know 2001 was it 2001 the first movie came out i think oh, yeah i, th- I, I think so. it's yeah. crazy what we just sort of it's in like our mainstream entertainment. We were just like, yeah, you can, you can throw out the F word. You can like just completely like treat these women as, as, as just disposable characterless like objects. And it's just, it's kind of wild as you watch the series progress. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not exactly a progressive series by any means, but (laughs) it, 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 you know, you can see as the times change and they start becoming a little bit more conscious of that stuff. And it's just, it's wild that we were just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's just, Help. normal that's just normal yeah. normal man stuff yeah <laughs>
5: <laughs> but uh but non non fast and furious related um uh, the social team most of our stuff's like pretty like ephemeral and like quick and day of so i don't have too much like long term stuff to try to plug but um we launched this new format last friday called you review we're basically on instagram stories we uh use the little slider tool with like an emoji uh and then we sort of put like a one to ten scale and we let people just review uh whatever they wanted to review from like the last few months. So like Wonder Woman and uh I think Returnal was on there and all that stuff. Um and so that that's been a lot of fun. And it turns out uh everyone's average score for everything is a seven, so that's a lot of fun. <laughs> um uh it's not just us. Um, but uh uh we're doing it again on Friday with just Resident Evil games. So uh, if you want to give your scores for all the Resident Evil games throughout history and you have a strong opinion, go on to our Instagram stories and you'll be able to, uh, to clock your vote.
2: Awesome. I, I, I did love that feature and absolutely did each one of those when I, when I saw it come across <laughs> my stories feed. So I, I really like that format and I will uh, look forward to more of those. Uh, But yeah, other than that, uh, I just want to say just go watch uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines on Netflix uh, if you want just (laughs) an incredibly animated movie. It is just such a delight Uh, from the Into the Spider-Verse team. uh, They they are just operating on a different level, and it's just such a visual treat. I I loved that movie so much. Um, But that is otherwise going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Lucy. And thank you, Colin, for joining me for this week's episode. And thank you, as always, to Red, our producer. Sorry for the curses that you have to bleep out. Sorry, and Red. Thank you, thank you to everyone else uh, who's been watching and listening and writing in. Uh, again, reminder, please stay tuned uh, to our Twitter accounts and uh, IGN.com for uh, info about what we have in store for episode 700. Hope it will be a really fun one. Uh, but we appreciate all of your support, as always. Uh, and in the meantime,
1: we hope you're safe. We hope you're well